This is Make Yourself at Home, a BizNow podcast where we examine the ways the pandemic is reshaping real estate. I'm Miriam Hall, I'm BizNow's New York reporter. There's been a widespread expectation that people would start returning to the office in the city following Labor Day, after many buildings have stayed largely empty through the summer. In the last week or so, Goldman Sachs and JP Morgan have both said they plan to start bringing more people back to the offices around the world. I spoke to Michael Colosino, who's the president of virtual brokerage Squarefoot, about why these companies' announcements matter so much to the office leasing market in New York and how much he expects office rents to come down over the coming months. It's interesting because the uh, there's been a lot of attention paid to the commercial office market. It's a great time to be a journalist writing about the commercial office because there's been a lot of uh, thought about it and a lot of discussion of it. And of course, you know, the first wave was, uh, you know, the office is dead, front page of the journal. Uh, and I was extremely skeptical of that. So I didn't have an existential problem, you know, dismissing that. Um, but as we think about it, you know, there's going to be changes. And uh, one of the changes is that people are uh, becoming used to the flexibility that comes from working from home. And I don't think that that's a genie that can be put back in the bottle. So the question is, if people do work from home, what um, how much will that influence the overall office demand? And I wrote a white paper actually on this, which you know came back and sort of looked at all the different tranches of employees and who works from home currently and so forth. And I concluded that it was probably something like 5% of, of uh, people will permanently shift uh, to a work from home basis. Uh, and you know that's a very debatable point. Lots of people have said higher numbers. But the focus on Facebook and Google, it's all kind of artificial. Um, because they are not the ones that drive office demand in cities like New York. The banks, financial institutions, insurance companies. So they've been quite quiet. I mean, there was a few, you know, sort of things said at the beginning, but they've gotten very quiet. And I heard something that's actually kind of news today, which is Goldman Sachs has told everybody they're coming back into the office soon, like next week. So I think that uh, that's going to be a much more telling indicator of uh, the overall demand profile. Um, and I think that that existential concern is um, is been way overstated by the initial takes. So you think we should be talking less about, oh, Facebook's coming back. Netflix CEO says that office is a thing and there's no benefit to work from home. But in New York, it's about what the banks are doing. Right. I mean, a 1% change in, in the, you know, JP Morgan's occupancy means a lot more than, you know, 50 startups. Um the startups produce a lot of innovation and the, the growth that goes on is concentrated in the smaller uh, companies because it's easier for them to grow. And so JP Morgan isn't doing double digit growth, you know, in most years, um, but they occupy, you know, tens of millions of square feet around the country and, and probably the second or third largest uh, tenant in New York. So you have to look at them and say, what's their you know, uh, idea? And one of the things I like to focus on is the trading floor. Um, trading floors are very dense. They always have been. They're not dense because the companies don't have enough money to pay for space for the traders. <laughs> you know, they're very lucrative uh, operations. They do it because of information arbitrage, which is one of the, the, the key things that they do. And that arbitrage that goes on among and between their traders uh, is not going to happen in the basement in Darien, Connecticut. Um, nice as that basement may be outfitted. Um, and so uh, I think what you're going to find is that there's going to be a tendency of people to come back um, in the banking, financial and insurance industries in, in a big way. JP Morgan said today that they're telling their senior people um, get back to the office, wow. basically. Yeah, yeah that's, been a, that's been around for a week or two. But yeah, I think that's uh, it's very indicative. Um, 
I also think that what you're going to find is that there's going to be a little bit of a group dynamic here. And there's three things that people are going to look for. The first is, is my, is my friend coming back in? You know, someone that I like and respect. Uh, and that'll be motivational. But the second one, which is more motivational, is are my customers coming back into their office? Because it's very hard for me to have a customer that's in an office and then say, well, I'm continuing to work from home. They want me to be physically there um, with them. And then the third and most important is the competitors. Like when you begin to feel that you're losing, you know, New York's a very competitive place. That's it's one of its essential um, raison d'etre, you know, points. And so I think it New York, you're going to find that as soon as the competitors start coming back in, people are going to get edgy and they're going to want to flow back in. And those are things that haven't been discussed as much as the idea of, you know, burning out from work from home and, you know, too many Zoom calls and all that's been discussed all summer long. I wondered about competition a little bit within workplaces. If you know that someone is not so much like you know someone is in there, like you want to be in there too, you want to be in in front of the right people and... The trade-off, there's a kind of a balance here. And the trade-off is uh, I get to work from home and so I get the ability to, you know, drop my Federal Express packages off and, you know, see my kids more. And then on the other side, you have career advancement and compensation. And that balance is very easy (laughs) to assess which way it's going to tilt. People are going to care a whole lot more about the idea that they don't get promoted, that they don't get better compensation, that they're not in the, the eye of the leaders of the organization um, and that, that's going to be outweigh the idea of the flexibility or convenience, especially if some of that convenience and flexibility is, is redistributed around because the, that's always existed for the executives, that, that flexibility. Uh, what's going to happen is that everybody up and down the, the organizational chart is now going to have that. So a little bit of that will go a long way in terms of, of normalizing people's work-life um, equation. But none of that, you know, having that is never going to offset the idea that I'm, you know, I'm in New York because I want to get ahead and make my mark and, you know, come from Australia in order to, you know, be in the bright lights, big city environment. New York is not easy or convenient or, you know, or simple, but it is purposeful. You know, there's a reason for why New York is. And, and, and uh, when I used to work on Park Avenue, I'd walk out, I would meet three or four, you know, business acquaintances on every trip up and down Park Avenue, customers, clients, uh, peers, and so forth. And, you know, that's, you can't exchange that. It's, it's in, invaluable. And that's what's going to drive the banks because they want to walk outside and see their attorneys and their attorneys want to see their you know, accountants and they all just want to see each other. So that's going to be a big deal. The real estate companies have been pretty public about their fact that they are going back. I know Silverstein went back uh, in yeah. some capacity as soon as was possible. RXR was back. And that's obviously because they want to demonstrate to their customers that we have created safe buildings and, and we're putting our money where our mouth is, so to speak. Jeff Blau at Related, very public about the fact that he thinks companies should be coming back, that it's their, their duty to support New York City. Do you think that that will have an impact? Do you think that that will actually work? Look, New York City, there's a sense of purpose that we saw after September 11th of, of a you know, bonding and of a shared sort of suffering and a shared purpose. And I can't imagine that we've lost that, you know, in the last uh, couple decades. It's going to come back and people are going to say, I, I've been around since the 70s, you know, and there was the Big Apple campaign and the Rudin organization, you know, stepping in to try to help New York after the bankruptcy in 1975. So there's a long history of, of um, 
civic participation by big companies to support and uh, and even to to rescue New York. And I think we'll see that exact thing happening. Maybe not in the last quarter of this year, but but definitely in 2021. Everyone was talking about Labor Day as, as sort of this line in the sand. Whenever I spoke to brokers or office um, owners or anyone really saying, you know, what's going on, they say, oh, people aren't back, people aren't back. But after Labor Day, they're going to be back. What do you think? Are they back? I mean, I know it's only the first week, but shouldn't we see them back at their desks? Well, I would describe this as a necessary but not sufficient condition. Um, there was no question that people took a hiatus in the summer. They relaxed and, you know, sort of girded their loins for what is going to be a difficult fall. Uh, but that's not the same. And, and they needed to get into the school year and they needed to get into the September mindset in order to do it. But I still think people are going to, you know, dribble back in. Um, and I think the reason for that is because there's a new factor, which is the health and safety of people. So this is not an economic issue. It's a sort of public health issue. And so until people have some level of certainty about the safety of the workplace, um, I think there's still going to be a very slow, um, gradual buildup. So I, I don't see September as, as rock and roll. Um, I think what you're going to see is that, you know, when it starts happening, it's going to be exponential, like one company will do it and then three others. The fact that Goldman and JP Morgan are making this declaration in the same week is not a coincidence in my mind. And uh, when Barclays and, you know, uh, BNP, you know, and all the other banks begin to follow suit, I think you'll see that. But it's still going to take, you know, another couple of months before we see the streets crowded again and that same sort of New York vibe, which is most definitely not, you know, out there. Yeah, it's it, it, it's interesting. So very quiet. When people start saying, well, everyone's, you know, fleeing the city and they're all looking for, you know, cheaper, easier places. I, you know, I just don't buy that. I, I really think that that's I mean, a lot of people are three quarters of the way out out of New York all the time. You know, that's been a constant thing. Um, you know, you have kids, you know, you need more space and, and you cycle out. And New York is a hard place. It's not for everybody. And so uh, so there's always that amount of uh, a certain percentage of people who are ready to go. And I think this probably triggered, you know, or accelerated some of them. But, you know, they're not the ones that were going to be here in five years anyway. And so, you know, to some extent, I, don't, I discount that. Uh, I don't really see that this is going to be a, a major change in how people think about New York as a place. Uh, it's still going to have things that no place else has. If you think about New York City, it's, it's an incredible hub of transportation. You have uh, spokes that go out to Long Island, to New Jersey, to Connecticut, um, and a huge percentage of the GDP of the United States is within 75 miles of, of uh, New York City. I think it's like half. And so as long as those factors remain, you know, true, then people are going to have to be here. And, um, you know, that's where the buildings are. Actually, a demographer told me quite early on in the crisis when I was writing about people leaving, because people were already leaving the city that's losing population. He was saying that often when people do leave and they put it down to a major event like this, it, usually the decision was already in the works for a while. By the way, let me just give you a quick factoid, which is that if you look back on the 12 decades, 120 years, uh, from the beginning to the end of the decade, New York has increased its population in every single one of those except one, which was 1970 to 1980. And having you know grown, that was when I graduated from high school, having grown up here, we had, um, first of all, the oil crisis, which ripped the city's you know, sort of structure apart. We had the bankruptcy and Gerald Ford saying drop dead to New York. We had the son of Sam, you know, those were really tough times. And if you watch Taxi Driver and you see what New York City looks like, it's like dark and wet 
and miserable all the time. And that's how New York was. So we had one decade that really did see a net negative um, a population influx. But every other one, you know, through the First World War, the Second World War and Vietnam and all these other crises, you know, it's actually been a steady increase. But population did go down last year, though, I'm pretty sure. But you're talking about a decade. Yeah, decades. Right? Yeah. I mean, to smooth things out. So for every 10 year period um, back to, to 120 years ago. So let's talk a little bit about the, the space and what tenants are talking about. Obviously, nothing, yes. nothing much happening over the summer. Who would really be rent? I mean, I honestly can't imagine who would rent space right now. Why would you rent space right now? Wouldn't you just wait? So I, I do think there's a, an uncertainty is our enemy in the leasing business, you know, being uncertain. But there's a couple things going on. One is people do have lease expirations and they do have to make decisions. And if, you, I'm, if we're talking about very small tenants, they have, a, you know, they can do anything. I mean, they can go back to work from home or they can find some small space or go to WeWork. But if you're talking of tenants, let's say 15 or 20,000 feet, which is kind of that big, you know, 80% of the tenants in New York are below 20,000 feet. Um, the ones at the high end of that scale, it takes a while to make decisions about real estate. You've got to do the space search process. You've got to do architectural design and construction. You've got to do negotiations, and then you've got to do construction at the end. So if, let's say, at the beginning of this year, you had a year left to go on your lease, you know, if you, if you lose three months, that's not such a big problem. If you lose six months, that's starting to be a problem. When you're down to just three months left, then you're going to have to scramble in order to be able to make all those things happen in a short period of time. So I think that that's going to shock people into, um, into a heightened state of, of awareness and, and a heightened state of demand for um, doing real estate deals. So I, I think that people are going to say, and they've been very focused on other things all along. You know, it's like, first question was health and safety of my employees. Second question was health and safety of my business, you know, my revenue stream. Um, and real estate is always for, you know, far down the list. But you know, you can't ignore the fact that your lease is expiring. And nobody wants to go to the landlord with three months left on the lease, no 10,000 foot tenant anyway, and say, you know, hat in hand and say, please, please, you know, do me a good deal. Um, and, you know, landlords are businessmen and or women, and they're going to take advantage of that situation as best they can. Um, and so people are going to be falling into that, uh, that trap very, very soon in my mind. And when a few horror stories emerge about people who were scrambling to get their deal done, then I think that people will begin to say, hey, we have to return our focus a little bit to leasing. So, But they're not going to pay, surely. They're not going to pay full rent. They're going to be asking for discounts. I know they were always asking for discounts, but now they're probably, surely, tenants are going to be able to get them. Yeah, I mean, I think we're going to see a significant decline in rents. I mean, uh, I think, you know, 20% is being predicted by Moody's and by other people. And I'm a tenant rep, and I've always called for greater uh, declines in rent than our competitors who represent the asset side as well, because they have a vested interest in promoting the, the, the assets, and I don't. Uh, I have a vested interest in telling the truth to my tenants. You know, whether it's ugly truth or it's good truth, you still have to tell the truth. Uh, and so as a consequence, you know, the companies that I've worked for over the years that were tenant reps have generally predicted um, a, a greater fall off in rents and, and a greater increase in concessions. And generally, they've been correct in their predictions. So I'm more on the oversight of this over the 20%. I think it's going to be more like 25 or 30%. And I also think that we're going to see... Um, unprecedented changes. I mean, this is an unprecedented situation. It's not like 2009, which was a very industry-specific um, 
downturn. It's not like 2001 where it was a bubble where people were taking lots of space and then giving it up. I mean, there's a one or 2% vacancy rate before the 2001, um, the, two, the dot-com crash. And so none of those situations, which helps, you know, sort of mitigate the downturn are occurring now. It's broad-based. Um, there's no question that people are reconsidering their, their you know, demand. And, the, and I don't want to be Pollyanna and assert that everybody is going to increase their, their space or stay the same. Um, and so I think that there's going to be um, a dramatic reduction in rents. And then people become opportunistic. They look around, they say, hey, I can have a lot of space in a nice place. And, you know, my business is, is going gonna, is gonna to come back. It has to come back. Uh, if my business doesn't come back and I don't need the space, then I have bigger problems than committing to real estate. Um, and so I think that when bargains begin to be uh, put out there and, you know, the smarter landlords will be, in my opinion, will be the ones that clear, you know, achieve clearing rents sooner rather than later. And when that starts to happen, you're going to see demand pick up. So is there an approach that you'll be taking in terms of like strategy with what you'll be saying to landlords um, when you're representing tenants? I mean, are you going to say, oh, we want a shorter lease term or what's, is there like a prevailing trend? I think it's important to kind of step back for a second and say what's going on in the in the broader market and then drill in on what the tenants in particular are going to be looking for. I, th- I think what we've been seeing is a kind of a great unbundling of the purposes and functions that go on within an office. And this started several years ago with WeWork kind of unbundling term um, and some other aspects of space. And I think we're going to continue to see that going forward. We're going to look at the four essential things that people do when they're in an office. Uh, and they're just what I call the four C's, collaboration, conferencing, community, and concentrated work. And I think there's going to be a lot of thought about having those going on, not necessarily all in one shared workspace. So for example, take conferencing. Um, you know, in order to have a big enough conference room with social distancing to allow you to have large groups of people, it's going to be a pretty big conference room. And in fact, it's not going to be something that exists in most spaces today. So we just had a big management meeting in our company the other day, and we took over the entire space. You know, we, we used to have to use the entire space in order to be socially distant. And you can't do that, you know, for two meetings at the same time, and you can't talk about confidential matters. So conferencing, I think, is going to get unbundled and pushed into um, WeWork-type facilities, and tenants are going to be saying, you know, how can I take a core amount of space that I use for my essential functions and then push some of the other functions into space that I uh, use on a rental basis, on a, an as-use basis, as opposed to a, a lease basis, long-term lease basis. So I think that's going to happen. So when we go to landlords, the strategy is to say you have to be flexible. You have to look at different things that maybe were anathema to you in the past. For example, time sharing, uh, which is an idea that you know Airbnb and, and other vendors have, and we work to some extent, brought to bear. And landlords are going to need to accept the idea that there might have to be multiple users in a given space under a given lease. Um, and that that's a way to get a lease done that wouldn't have been done otherwise. Because someone may say, I only need to be in the office three days a week. Um, I, I need to be in the office. I want everybody in the office, but I don't want everybody in the office every day. And so I'm going to timeshare this with a, a company that I have some uh, affiliation with. And the landlord will get two tenants, uh, which will be able to maintain the rental that they need. So I think you're going to see that. I think you're also going to see um, flexibility in terms of term, and tenants will be have been demanding that, but are going to demand it even more because the uncertainty means that the idea of doing a longer term lease just seems increasingly 
you know, out far-fetched given that uh, there's so much uncertainty as to what the world's going to look like.